Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of Gladiator Mastery. Today, I have the most amazing, amazing guest. Uh, I met this gentleman online and he blew me away. I did a special invitation and by luck, uh, the universe, the energies, he happens to be in Dubai for two days and he made a special time to meet me. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Jonathan Daniels to you. Jonathan, welcome. Thank you. Thank welcome you. to Dubai. Thank uh, you. I am fascinated by your life. I'm fascinated about the things I'm going to find out, hopefully through the questions I'm going to ask. Now, your foundation is called From the Depths. Yep. So please introduce From the Depths to the audience and me in thank detail. You. Thank well, you. well, first of all, thank you for having me. It really is, I mean, Dubai is a crazy city, right? Where sort of anything's possible and, and you know, you reached out to me, found me on Instagram, what, a couple of months yeah. ago when you personally were visiting yeah. uh, the German Nazi death camp of Auschwitz-Birkenau and you reached out to me from there and... Uh, actually gave a nice donation to the foundation, so thank you for that. Um, I, I created From the Depths uh, about eight years ago now. Uh, from the Depths being, well, the name actually itself comes from the book of Psalms, uh, the book that King David wrote discussing, and From the Depths really means from the deepest, darkest, most difficult place. And the reason I called my foundation that is because my foundation deals with one of the most difficult things in history, recent history especially, which is the Holocaust, the, the absolute tragedy that befell humanity um, just around 80 years ago. Uh, obviously with the death of murder, mass murder of six million Jews, millions and millions of others. And it really kind of, I started looking around and understanding that my generation, I'm 36, my generation didn't feel like we were doing too much in terms of the memory memorial. It was all very academic lots and lots of books, but not many podcasts, not much Instagram, not much social media. And the younger generation were kind of getting lost within all of this. So I really wanted to understand how I could take this subject and attempt to share it to a younger audience uh, and an audience that perhaps hasn't heard of it before because the lessons of the Holocaust are universal. And this is you know, lessons of being a decent human being, of being honorable, of being decent, and of not being a racist, and of not being full of hatred. And so th that was really the focus of, of why I created this foundation. And thank God, uh, or inshallah, as they say here, uh, we've, we've been successful, um, and really fight and push forward to make sure that we get this message out to as many people as we can in as many ways as we can as well. Amazing. Now, for a young man, how did you get introduced to this? What Was it your parents took you to a particular camp? You saw something triggered, uh, or something that you always were in, interested in when you were a child? Well, I, I grew up uh, in London. Um, you're not too far away from where you had a formative part of your youth in, in Manchester. And, and growing up in London, I grew up in the Jewish community of Northwest London, and I was really surrounded by a lot of Holocaust survivors. It was kind of part of my life. Like I remember seeing them, and with the tattoos, with the numbers the, on yeah, their arms. And, yes, I remember. And, you know, when when we when, even when you and when I was growing up in the UK, it was it was just they were around, and and slowly and slowly there were less of them, and they made a big impact on who I am. Like I was always growing up reading books about the Holocaust. You know, I heard of my great grandfather. You know, I, my grandmother is. The, the person I love most in the whole world, and my biggest fan, she'll be listening to this. Um, and my grandma 
Uh, her father was the only member of his family who survived. His entire family were murdered, everyone, everyone. Uh, they lived in a small town in Poland and the German Nazis came in and, and killed everybody. And, and I grew up with, with kind of that feeling constantly of, of, of well, this just happened to us. It, it wasn't that long ago. And, and I really felt like stuff needs to be done more. And it was actually um, about nine years ago, um, the, the, the Prime Minister of Israel back then was Benjamin Netanyahu. Yes. Uh, and he spoke in the United Nations. And this was just after Ahmadinejad, the yes. former Iranian, you know, Iranian tyrant, um, gave a speech calling to wipe out the state of Israel, the Jewish people, the United States, the West, you know, everything that wasn't, you know, their crazy worldview. And when he stood up in the UN and said, look, we, we as a people experienced genocide and massacre, we're not going to wait around and see again. And I remember the world being quite divided as to whether, you know, he should be using this as an example, he shouldn't be using it. And it was kind of like, well, hold on a second. You know, we always say, you know, you have to learn from your history. Well, how is this even questionable? And it really sort of struck me that many people didn't have the basics in understanding. So the first thing we did, actually... Educate. Educate. But we, we educated who you'd least expect. The first event that we held as a foundation was in 2014, on the 27th of January, which was International Holocaust Memorial Day, where I put on an event where we took the majority of the Knesset, Israel's parliament, for one day to Auschwitz. We held a session of the Knesset just outside of Auschwitz. Like, such a strong... And the survivors, some survivors Absolutely. Came? Almost oh, every single member of Knesset was accompanied by a survivor. And survivors have absolutely shaped my life. This week, I mean, you know, I, I personally, even this week, I've shared very little on social media. I, I feel, even though I'm here, I, this has been one of the most difficult weeks I've had in a long time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this week, a um, uh, Holocaust survivor by the name of Edward Mossberg, whose picture actually was the one that brought you to me, uh, unfortunately, he passed away just a few days ago. And Edward Eddie was, was an absolute mentor to me. He was the toughest, strongest, most incredible person. And a few years ago, actually, he gave me this bracelet. I don't know if you can see uh, this bracelet, his number. which was his number. He was actually sent to Matthausen concentration camp. And in Matthausen, they wouldn't bother even tattooing you because you're going to be killed. So they give you this little You piece. weren't even worth a number or nah, time to... They just give you this little thing. You'd put it on you however you could. He wrapped it around his wrist and wore it as a bracelet. After the war, he carried on wearing it. And he gave me this a couple of years ago. And he said, Johnny, wear this. Carry it. Carry it remember me and people will ask you what's that on your hand and then you'll remember me again and you'll remind my story to them and that was literally just a few days ago and and to say i'm i'm heartbroken is is you know Pretty is an mildly, understatement yeah. yeah the problem is that they're all dying now yeah they're, no none of them are less than 90 years old and um you're going to be feeling low for quite a while, right? Because everyone you meet is going to die shortly. Right? Well, look, I mean, <coughs> you know, me. no problem. I mean, we, we, we're dealing not just with, with survivors. I mean, I, I just came back from my sixth trip to Ukraine. I, mm -hmm. I've been going in and out of Ukraine since the beginning of the war, providing for Holocaust survivors. 
uh, and providing for another group of people. I think probably the main focus of the foundation, especially during COVID and since then, has been dealing with what are known as the righteous amongst the nations. So the righteous amongst the nations were non-Jews who risked their lives to save Jews during the Second World War. So, you know, probably the most famous story because of Spielberg is obviously Schindler, with Schindler's List, factory. the factory where he made a list of Jews, brought them into work for him, you know, gave some fictitious jobs, which enabled them to stay alive and not be taken to kiss. They were worth it for the Germans to be kept alive. However, there were around, almost close to now to 28,000 other non-Jews who have been honored by the state of Israel, um, who risked their life to save Jews. Well, from the 28,000, at the beginning of COVID, we were supporting around about 300 of these righteous. Sadly, now there's only about 130 still alive. So these are the last connections to this history. But again, you're dealing with people. And I think for me, well, well, first of all, there's absolute thanksgiving, right? That is kind of like, well, I'm a young Jewish man. Right. My family, unfortunately, wasn't able to be saved by anybody, but other people's were. Other of my brothers and sisters' family were saved. So you have these elderly people today living in Eastern Europe and even in Ukraine who risked their lives, literally risked their lives. In Poland, for example, if you were caught harboring a Jew... Oh, you're dead. Your whole family's, your whole family's dead. dead. Finish, yeah, exactly. The old family in Markova is a, perfect, is a terrible example of a, of a family with a pregnant wife and children who were caught hiding Jews and all murdered. And so, you know, often what I found especially, and, and you would have experienced this, that visiting a place like Auschwitz-Birkenau, the German Nazi death camp that was built in occupied Poland, is, is a harrowing experience. But for a lot of people, you'll leave there and it's like, well, what's the message, right? Is, is not, you know, not to kill people, not to hate people. Well, you know, for normal people, you don't have that feeling. You know, I'm not going to leave, you know, with, oh, oh whoops. You know, it's like, well, no, I'm, I don't feel like that. I'm not genocidal. I, I don't have these tendencies. And Yeah, but you can turn the most good turn, turn away. You can yeah. turn a blind eye. You can turn a blind yeah, eye. Exactly. That's it, as bad sometimes. As it, it is, but, but it's also, it's, it's a difficult message to teach. However, when, when you start teaching from the stories of the righteous, yes. then the question becomes different. Then the question is, well, what am I doing, right? And, and there is examples today. We've got the Uyghurs in China, you know, this community of Muslims in China who, who, who are literally being put into camps and being sterilized and women are being raped and murdered. Like, this is awful. You know, Ukraine, what are we doing there? Like, what are, how are any of us taking these messages of righteousness into our lives? And are we? And, and I think that these are major questions that we need to ask ourselves. And so when you talk of the stories of the righteous and visit with these people, and for me, on a personal level, on supporting them. During COVID, I traveled to 21 countries in my car with my dog. We literally went from country to country with all the COVID rules and regulations and headaches and, you know, triple... Didn't stop you. Didn't stop me. Triple face masks sometimes. I could barely breathe, you know, gloves, everything. This was at the point where, you know, if your head bumped a thing in the supermarket, oh my God, I got head COVID, right? Like yeah, everything yeah, was exactly, petrifying yeah. and scary. Don't look at them. Don't yeah, touch yeah. Oh my them. God, Don't oh my God, right? Them, yeah. yeah, everything's so scary, but... It was very much the feeling that if we don't do something now, we, you know, these people literally, like, it really was a problem back then. You know, you're dealing with elderly people's immune systems are not right. Yes. What are you going to do? We have to step up. And it was probably the first time since the war that, that it wasn't just an opportunity to say thank you and we have a, you know, you'll appreciate this, but we brought, we brought I, I personally drove a bunch of London taxis 
uh, you know, black cabs out from London to Poland where they serve as a free taxi service for the righteous. Just enabling them to get out and go where they want whenever they want. And, and having no worries of paying for it or how they're going to get around trusting a driver or anything like that. But the first time it was actually an opportunity to stand up and help keep them safe. I was so glad that I was able to do that and be there during this time. How do you find them? There's, there's, well, lists, local communities. It's not always easy. It like, won't be easy. Like, no. how many Holocaust survivors are there? Holocaust survivors, is, it, it kind of depends how you count, but there's sort of tens of thousands, if not okay. more. And then Auschwitz survivors? Auschwitz survivors, a lot less. Yeah. And then, obviously, Righteous Amongst the Nations, as I said before, there's just 130 okay. in the whole world. So, there was, there's, at the beginning of the war, there was 11 in Ukraine. Um, we offered everybody to come out if they wanted to help them escape. Most of them, you know, they were like... It's home. What have they got? Yeah. Where am I they don't go? need it. I'm They're in the 90s. I'm 90. Yeah. If I'm, I'm going to die, let me die at home. Uh, one of the ladies, her family wanted to get out. We, we helped them escape. And that was a tremendously powerful feeling. Imagine, you know... But like, the happiness on her but, face. But not just that, but I, I went to the border. The Israeli embassy drove the family out. And then I took them to a hotel and put them up for the night. So because of the righteous, the Israeli government supports you to, to protect them or take them out? Well, I yeah, I mean, in that case... Is there we a worked. fund for them to look after them? Is yeah, yes and no. I mean, it, it, it's a weird one. Um, th there are foundations that are set up to support them, but it, it's also this weird mentality. And, and, you know, often in a place like Eastern Europe... Um, you know, you, you'll have elderly people who will die with a lot of money in the bank, but die poor. Yeah. You, know, you know the old generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was like, no, save, you save, save it for a rainy day, right? And, and they end up saving it all their lives and then dying poor. You know, they won't spend the money necessarily on themselves. And, and I know that. So for me, it was always a situation of, okay, well, how, what do I do right now to, to put an ease on their life? You know, so for example, every Christmas I visit them with huge hampers massive boxes full of everything they need to stay home, stay safe, and enjoy Christmas. Everything from food to baubles. And I even bring them each Christmas tree. Right? That was a weird thing for a Jewish boy to do. Right? Yeah. Go, go and buy hundreds of Christmas trees. All live. A lot of them planted them in their gardens since. And they're like, I don't need one this year. I've got the one in the garden from last. I'm like, bring you another one as well. Um, but but that, that's been an amazing thing to do. And so Israel, for example, we have obviously a good relationship with the embassies in the different countries. And ambassadors will often come with us and hand things out and you know just adds an extra level um but but the foundation is not funded by the state of israel we're not funded by any governments it's all donors like yourself who, who just step up and give for me it was important that we have this ability to be quick and and and, and not be reliant upon you know regulations and nonsense for example the war right now with ukraine there wasn't time to wait right to, yeah. to help people mm -hmm. it wasn't a, oh let me ask the board it was like no right like people are literally we had a holocaust survivor at the, the one of the most harrowing pictures he'd come across from Lwów right he, he'd got across to Poland um, and and he, he came over in his slippers and and he'd, he'd kind of got through everything and, and I sat down with him and and I just looked him in the eye and I put my hand in his hand I said tell me your story and, and to see this man break down, you know, this old, strong man, I mean, he was big, like, he was a very tall man, and, you know, he'd, he'd as a young boy, um, in the train station, the family were trying to escape, and he got lost from his family. 
and ended up lost and found his way to partisans in the forest during the war, which is how he survived. You know, harrowing experience as a young boy. And he said, I never thought I'd be running from the train station again. And you're sitting looking at this man. And I looked down and he's got his slippers on. He did, he, he, his, you know, his old, he has problems with his feet. And he he didn't, he'd, he'd come across with his slippers. And I said, you know, where are your shoes? So I don't have any. Now, we had a big problem. He has 47 shoes, right? You know, it's big Huge, feet. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you can't buy that in every shop in, in, in Poland. And I put on Instagram, a great friend reached out, one of like the cool sneaker stores in Warsaw that like provides all the basketball players and yes. stuff. They brought me this like insane pair of limited edition like Nike um, Air Force Ones, right? Yeah, like, expensive shoes, yeah. right? So, you know, the, the, literally the next day I was around with him and you know, helping him put on these, like, you know, shoes that, that you know, story. yeah, you know, but it's all about people stepping up and helping. And, and I think that, that that's kind of been the amazing thing is that I'm a millennial and, and I really want that other people get involved. And it, it doesn't, you know, it's not all about the money because some people just don't have, right, which is also fine. But it's, you know, silly things like sharing, right, or telling a story, or, or becoming part of this in a way and, yes. and each of us doing our own part to make sure that these stories don't die and these people's messages do carry I'm on. I'm sure you carry hundreds, possibly thousands of stories, right? You Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, uh, I, I could talk to you for days, let alone hours. Um, what I realized when I, it was quite scary, was that it was, um, you know how they build BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, they're very good at engineering. It became, it, Auschwitz was a death factory. Yeah. It was just, you were a commodity and you didn't last sometimes more than two hours. Yeah. Off the train, into the chamber, boom, boom, out. Yeah, yeah. That, that the ashes were just thrown away. Yeah, that, that, that you, you kind of wonder how any of us can, you know, do this to another human being, really, to dehumanize somebody in such a way. It's like, you know, for goodness sake, we're all just people. Right, what difference, you know? They, they were desensitized, weren't they? They didn't care, it was children, women, mm. old people, men, it didn't matter. Didn't matter. Left or right. No, I'll it. never forget, With I was, you know, I had really, you know, I was truly blessed by God that I had the opportunity to spend so much time with Mr. Mossberg, who, who passed away, as I said, just this week. And one of the most difficult stories he told me, it, it was in the Krakow ghetto. Um, you know, they were surrounded by Germans and, and he, he showed me the exact place that it happened and it was one story that he had a real hard time telling. You took him there? Uh, I, I was oh there with God. him. I was there with him. That You know, there's all over my Instagram, there's tons of stories of, wow. of me walking through with him and the story of when they, when they were shooting children in bags and throwing them against the walls. Babies. You know, that, that's... Uh, how awful of a human... Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like I, I couldn't. Things became enjoyment, you know. Yeah, what I mean? but like how, how, mm, like wide, it, wide, yeah. yeah. Like, you, how much you can't, you can't even think. Like there's people I don't like, right? There's always people we don't like, but I could never wish them harm, right? And even if I really hated someone and wish them harm, I couldn't kill their children. Baby, exactly. Is that what on earth or the elderly like? Just you know, the, the so they're killing these babies for fun, just for fun, just for fun. I was in Ukraine last week with a Holocaust survivor. He was a young boy, 
and and again thousands of stories. And he 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 was from a small t- a town about forty kilometers north of Warsaw. He managed to escape. Whole long story. You can see that on Instagram. But w- one of the one of the, the parts of his story that just absolutely shocked me was as they were leaving his father, the Germans came in straight at the beginning of the war, rounded up all the Jews, and his father walked back into the house to take his elderly mother on his back to get her out. And the Germans like, no, 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 just leave her there. And it's okay. So he listens, he left his mother there. He exited the house with his four boys. They went back in and shot her. They, they set the house on fire. They burnt her alive. And you're just like, what? Like, you, you know, the, the level. Right, you know, and six million is is an insane number to think of. Like none of us, we, we probably won't meet six million people in our lifetimes, right? If you think of the biggest football stadiums with all that noise, what's it, fifty, sixty, what eighty, ninety? If it's Wembley, thousands, thousands. thousands. Exactly. That's not close to six million. Uh, you you can't really begin to imagine. And the other really important thing is individualizing the stories. Yes. Right. It, it's putting yes. a face on this, and it's yes. understanding. Well, there was this gentleman who I met last week. Yes. There was Mr. Mossberg, and other survivors, and people who survived. And through them, you hear the stories of their families. You know, I, after all the years of doing what I do, I don't know exactly what happened to my family. There aren't records. They lived in a very small city, what town, really? No survivors. No one survived. Country, yes. He 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 actually, you know, had his golden ticket, which is a British passport. His parents, my great-great-grandparents, went to London in the 1900s. They were there for a couple of years, and he was born there. It didn't work out. They came back to Poland. And then when conscription started and things weren't looking great, you know, they were like, go. You know, you've got your British passport. Get out. So he wasn't there. When they so invaded, he, he wasn't. He, he wasn't was there. Ticket. But, yes. but he, you know, he, and he was a baker. Like, he was a rich man, and he was doing everything he possibly could to try and save a little bit of money to maybe send his brother. And he was unable to do so. Didn't make it. And his whole family were killed. My family. And until today, we don't know where. We don't know how. There's nowhere for me. There's not a grave for me to visit. There's not a site for me to pay my respects. It's hard to even imagine. Hard to imagine. So many questions. Um, When you meet these people, have they been able to form normal relationships? Or are they just messed up in the head because of what they've been through? It's too, okay. You say you survive, but really do you survive? Well, I you mean, could be surviving a nightmare, hell, because of what you've seen and what you experienced. Yeah, well, look, I mean, today, you know, and, and it's understandable. We're talking about people with PTSD from really anything. Okay. And, you know, and you, know and, and you see terrible things. Like, honestly, like, you know, people who have experienced a kind of childhood trauma, right, or, or who have, you know, any kind of assault as a kid, you know, and it, this really carries through their lives and influences everything. And you understand it on a very deep level. Yes, I was reading that some people get violent. Yeah. They become violent because there's so much anger and frustration. Well, and people then carry on, right? Exactly. So you'll see a lot of people who, you know, you, you watch any of these crazy Netflix shows about, you know, serial killers or rapists and all of this like awful stuff. Most of them are doing something that happened to them as a kid. But, and this is from in perspective of what a Holocaust survivor went through, really not very much, right? Exactly. You know, it was a little bit of trauma. Again, an extreme trauma, and you can't put any comparison, yes. but a trauma that lasted a small amount of time or, or, or wasn't as bad. But the, the question of, of a lot of Holocaust survivors had very difficult lives after the war. Yes. Uh, many, many, many had incredibly difficult lives after the war. So. You know, how do you build off that? You know, seeing all of that and moving forward. How can forward. you have a normal relationship, a friendship, when everybody you knew turned against you? 
yeah, or, or everyone you died, right? Your whole family was murdered. And, and it, 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 the, the, honestly, the best example I can use is the example of Mr. Mossberg. You know, Eddie had, had met his uh, fiancée, Sesha, just before... Uh, well, they, they kind of were boyfriend and girlfriend, um, right at the beginning of the war, and in Plashwolf concentration camp... So he must have been in his late 90s or 100 Yeah, he was 96 years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. So she, she gave him a little picture of herself, and, and Eddie was, you know, he was a character, right? He managed to keep this picture with him through all the camps, and towards the end he wore it as a necklace around him, and Eddie survived all of this. And he came to America. He actually, after the war, they, they you know, through anti-Semitism and other stuff, they got to America. Did, and he, did he meet her again? Or? Yeah, they, they met after the thing. Wow. They, they got married in, in sort of DP camp and went to America together to build their life. And he went with nothing. He had nothing in his pocket, you know, and, and he worked as a steward in th- cinemas and three jobs, you know, sewing stuff, whatever he could to make a little bit of money. Because he understood that the future is what he needs to focus on now. And there's an incredible family called the Wilf family in, in, in America. They're very big contractors, building contractors. And, you know, it was back before, you know, it was a different time. So what they said was, you know, we're going to take different site managers on our different buildings. And, you know, we used Holocaust survivors because, you know, these are people who were uneducated to the part, wow. right? The formidable education years that were in concentration camps. Yes. So they took these Holocaust survivors and let them run different projects wow, for them because you know they're going to be trustworthy, amazing. right? They, they appreciate they're the, going to appreciate the, the job, exactly. and it's a, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and they're going to strive to build their life again. They're going to be committed. They're going to exactly. Work hard. You're not going to worry about them nicking anything, right? You know they're going to behave the way they should. And Eddie really excelled, but really, really excelled, and he became like the number one guy for them. So much so that he then himself went on and became a contractor. Wow. And and you know it, he became a became a multimillionaire. Wow! He built his life right from nothing to this, but his focus was on his future. He had three daughters, and it wasn't looking back. I'll have time for that. Right now, I need to make now sure that my children are taken care of, that my future is taken care of, and in later years I'll look back. And really, only in his later life did he start getting very involved with Holocaust because education. Because lots of, lots of survivors say nothing for decades, yeah. right? And then later on, they open up or share. Or it's kind of some don't even want to talk about right, it. Right? It's kind of within our DNA as Jews, right? Which is also part of it. You know, we, we spent two thousand years really running from place to place, persecuted almost everywhere we've been. You know, there are very few places that, that didn't persecute Jews, it's unfortunately. Uh, as it is, as well as, you know, again, I can look at it from a Jewish perspective, other people look at it from other perspectives, but we were persecuted tremendously. And so, you know, we've created, you know, a pretty good sense of humor as a result of that, you know, many Jewish comics and so on and so forth, but also a focus always on looking forward. You know, there is time for reflection. There is time for this, but we have to move forward. Because if we just sit and wallow in what happened, it doesn't really work. Now, again, there obviously were Holocaust survivors who couldn't deal with the pain after the war. Lots committed suicide. There were those who committed suicide. There were others who just never wanted to have children or families. There were those who, you know, ended up all around the world never wanting to discuss this again. But again, the the pain is, is just unbelievable. So, you know, I think it was rather individual, but... Many of them, people like Mr. Mossberg, went on created the most remarkable lives of themselves. And only in later years, and his his wife of seventy five years, seventy seven years, this is the fiance. Yeah, 
She okay. she sadly passed two years ago, mm-hmm. and those were the hardest two years I think of his life. Uh, I I was able to get to the states just a couple of days after the funeral, and I sat with him, and he was like, he was like Johnny, don't understand. She was not just my wife; she was my mother, she was my father, she was my sisters. All the people who were killed, she took on that role of all of them for him. Wow! And when he lost that. Everything. She's nothing he to lost everything mm. to a degree. You know, his children were the most important thing in his life, but his wife was really all of that for him, and that became very hard. That's amazing. That's incredible. I noticed um, these. These are tough questions. A lot of people say it was Nazis and not Germans. Yeah. Okay, but I believe there was eight thousand German or Nazi um, guards at just Auschwitz alone, right? And only forty got prosecuted. Yeah. So 7,960 just went straight back into Germany and continued their lives. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know the numbers, but it, it, look, it, even the term Nazi, you, you won't hear me using the term Nazi. I always yes. say German Nazis. I think so. uh, and the reason I say that is because Nazis gives you some kind of, you know, these weren't aliens who fell out of the sky correct. and did terrible exactly. things. They were these human, were beings. human beings. Correct, correct. Th- these were Germans, but also not just Germans. You know, the poles. Some poles turned right. In every the, nation. Them, yeah. Every nation. You, you had you know Polish collaborators. Of you know this is you know well known. You know, but you know Poland was actually quite a, an interesting country because of that. You know, for example, no poles were guards at concentration camps. That didn't happen. Ukrainians, however, Lithuanians really? were remarkably brutal. Remarkably, when I speak to righteous amongst the nations in Ukraine, they'll often tell me they were more scared of the Ukrainians. Than they the were Germans. of the Germans, and this is often Poland. You don't really get that. It's a slightly different story. But when you look across the board, truly the amount of collaboration was really high. It was kind of easy to rile people up. Yes, it, it really was, and yes. people were riled up and brought into this. And you know, it's someone different, right? Those Jews. Do you think? Do you think they they chose the pits of society? The the Germans chose the. The murderers and the crooks and, and uh, to, to do all the, their no, dirty work. No, no just normal. No. Yeah, doctors, Mengele, right? The famous yeah, doctor true. who was yes. pointing right to left. The guy was was a pretty decent doctor, well-known doctor. Yes. Right. You know, did, these were high people Some through society. Family men. All a lot of them were family men. Mm. They kill children in the day and go and put their children to bed yeah. at night. The complete nuts cases. Them lullabies. Like, yes, yeah, sing them lullabies, right? You know, mm. bring back presents from dead Jews. Right, you, you can't imagine the level of hatred, but it, it wasn't just the dregs of society. There, there were, you know, obviously it was probably easier to rile them up. You know, it's always easier to rile up someone who's having a hard life, mm-hmm. right? You know, which is unfortunately what we see in a lot of, yeah, we see that even today in the countries that they have a lot of terrorism. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's keep strap yourself with the bombs, off you go. Yes. Rich people don't blow themselves up. Exactly. Happy people don't blow themselves and up. The thing is, rich people don't die in, uh, in wars. No, they don't. Yeah. It's the poor people who Correct. do, right? Because they need the money. They want something to live Correct. for. You know, if you build yourself a good life. You, you don't want to go waste it, exactly. right? On killing or hurting anybody. You're, again, you're focused on building your own future. Mm. Um, but they, they were definitely, it wasn't definitely not just the dregs of society. Amazing, mm. absolutely amazing. One thing else I was thinking, I put myself there. I was, uh, yeah. it's, even now all the hair in my body is standing up. Like, it happened so fast. And they lied, they knew the human psychology. They said, you know, take your clothes off, Remember your tag number because you're going to come and pick up your clothes. They lived, 
they did it in such a way and so fast that even if I had a feeling or there was rumors that people are being gassed and you know I, I would probably want gotten along with it until it was too late if that makes sense right? because they knew if they lied to you you'll just go along with it right well this is also brings up a, an interesting question that you're way too polite to ask which is and it was actually one of the first questions ever asked which is you know there was this idea that Jews weren't like sleep sheep to the slaughter that they didn't put up a fight there's this idea yeah I, and, I don't and think it's that's like, the case I think they just lied to them right well it wasn't even just that but, but you, you're a dad right yes. you, you, you will do anything to keep your daughters alive right. anything I've got two daughters I, I'm not putting myself out there I'm not going to scream I'm not going to shout I'm going to be quiet Right. And I'm going to try and figure out what's going on. Figuring out what's going and on. And I'm going to listen mm, and make sure that yes. I do everything I yes. can to be part of this system. And because once you're I, figuring out, you're dead. Basically. Yes. Basically, it was this systematic murder that took place. But there was an incredible... One of the, the head of the actor's studio in the United States, you know, the famous actor's studio, uh, he, he was a legend of Hollywood who found James Dean, dated Marilyn Monroe... You know, th this guy who lived the most insane life was um, a Holocaust survivor by the name of Jack Garfine. And, and I spent a ton of time with Jack no, in wow. his last few years. And I mean, Jack, like, literally, he, he was one of the, like, I, I'd listened to him, but I knew I wasn't actually understanding what he was saying. He was way too smart for me. Like, wow. he was talking on another level, you know, telling me about Kafka and his plays and the understanding and the significance and... Jack just completely blew my mind. And, and one of the things, you know, Jack, there's a million stories I could tell of Jack's, but one of the stories that really grabbed me from Jack was, was he, he was actually, uh, well, a few things. Uh, I'll start with the story of when he was, he was actually, he, he was put, forced onto a train with his mother um, to, to, and younger sister, I believe, to go to Auschwitz-Birkenau. And when they'd entered the camp and they got off the, the railroad rack, tracks, uh, his mother kind of had a feeling that something wasn't right here. And she went to the capo, who, who were the Jews who were forced Correct. to help people off the Correct. trains yes. and do certain things in, in a lie that they'd be kept alive. Correct. You know, these were the people who put the bodies into the thing. Awful, awful, awful thing. She went to one of the capos and said, what's happening? And he was like, lady, get lost. She said, what's happening? Because they would get shot if they told the prisoners. Oh, absolutely. Yes. They're going to be murdered. Yeah, right? And they'd often like, keep their family members. And they had really spies spying on them to see if they... Yes. Everyone was spying on everyone. It was like, awful, right? You know, it was talking like Hunger Games, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't imagine mm -hmm. the level of depravity that these mm -hmm. people went through. So she managed eventually through literally physically manhandling one of these guys. She was like, what's going on? And he whispered something to her. She took Jack, who was 13 years old, and he was a short guy in later life. He wasn't tall. She grabbed him and said, I hate you. You are not my son. I never loved you. I don't want anything to do with you. Get away from me. And she threw Jack towards the men. Now, Jack was completely rolled up. He had no idea what was going on. And for years, I mean, he got married like three times, terrible relationships Rejection with women, issues. hated his wife, yes. hated his mother, really hated his mother. And only later in life did he understand that she'd saved his life. She'd literally saved his life. He then had a sto other stories of miracles that took him there, and he, he was just the most remarkable person. And he was able to view that time and understand kind of what had happened. But, but you know, and then, then, you know, then Jack comes to America, and 
it, you know, one of them, I think one of the things that really shook me was a story that when Jack got to America, again, he, with nothing and, you know, ended up on a bus and he's on a bus in Pennsylvania and, and straight off the train and he gets on the bus and he's like, wow, you know, I'm on a bus in America, he's like 15 years old. So he gets on the bus with his bag and he runs to the back to look out the back window and the driver's like slamming on the brakes. What are you doing? Get away from there. He's like, what's going on? He's like, you can't sit there. That's for blacks. And he was like... Face prejudice. And he was like, what the... Right. What have I been through, right, to to come here to the land of the free and people have to sit on the back of a bus? Wow, Wow. Right? He was blacklisted in Hollywood, right, for making... Communist you know, or something well, like that. No, it wasn't even communist. He'd made a movie where, where two African-Americans were kissing, right? And they yes. were like, you can't do that. You know, blacks don't kiss in our movies. And he was like, hell no, wow. right? And you know, He made a stance. He made a stance. Yeah. And he really stood. And he was like, I haven't been through what I've been through, right, to, to inflict any kind of racism on anybody else. And, you know, and I think this is also something that, that really... Studying this part of history should give us all an understanding of like this prejudice right under our noses happening right now. Just everywhere. Don't turn a blind eye. Be yeah. aware of it. And do something. And no stand up. Small, yeah. Stand up. It, it, again, it, it's not. You don't have to be. Ki- you don't have to be killing another people to stand up and say stop. Correct. Right. It's enough that you put people on the back of the bus. That isn't okay. We're, we're all exactly the same. Right, the, the notion that we've created as human beings of having a hatred towards anybody else yes. is, is ridiculous. But you know, I was reading in the ten, like ten thousand years of human history, there's only been two hundred years when we haven't had war. No, it, it <laughs> so it's part it of life. It, it's become just part of life. It, it is, but it doesn't mean we have to say that it's okay. Yeah, and it's and not. and honestly, if it wasn't for these Holocaust survivors and these righteous and all these people, it, I I, don't, I, w- I definitely wouldn't be doing what I am today. You know, even now when we're talking through, I'm thinking, well, you know, literally, I spent, I just came back from my sixth trip to Ukraine during the war, yes. as I said, and it's, it's a bit Are you nuts. risking life here? Or no, things aren't as bad I, as, you, well, you're not going to the borders. No, I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily to dangerous places. At the beginning, it was sketchy when I was mm-hmm. going at the beginning, and, the, you know, there still were, like, it, it was definitely dodgy. Like, you had to watch where you're going. And even now, like, anything could happen any time. So... I wouldn't put my life at necessarily risk again. I have daughters and I have responsibility, yes. so I do try and be careful. But e- even these small actions that I take and the foundation takes to help these people through mm-hmm. this period, mm-hmm. and, and especially those who are stuck inside, you know, is most definitely based off what you know we've learned in our shared experience and of turning around and stepping back. You know, it's amazing. But and your sacrifice isn't that much of a great deal compared to what these guys went through. I've got my phone or my Instagram, you know, I have, you know, I go in, I meet, you know. Do you find yourself, um, do you cry when you're listening to them? Does it hit you still? Do you get emotional? How do you build that trust between you and them for them to open up? You know, maybe they haven't opened up to anyone for many years. Well, I I have had survivors who who I was told, look, they're not going to tell you their story. They've never spoken. Then they've spoken to me. Um, I, I kind of... When I, when I, what, it was actually a question I was asked once by a journalist. I said, don't you feel like a heaviness? Mm-hmm. Like a heaviness of like six million people on your shoulders? Yes. I, right. I, like, don't you feel a heaviness? Uh-huh. Like, shaking it. And I was like, to be honest, I kind of feel like they're lifting me up. Yeah, I was going like, to say. I, I kind of feel like that. 
my role is is telling their stories. That this is really crucial. You know, I, you I end up with the burden. You're actually sharing, yeah. Yeah, You're sharing I their like, wisdom. Well, Eddie Wiesel, who was a very very famous Holocaust survivor, you know, probably the most famous Nobel Nobel Prize laureate. You know, he'd taken Obama and you know Oprah Winfrey and like very well known in America. His book Night, a very famous book, is required study in a lot of high schools all around America. Eddie was one of the first people who, who I met with when I started the foundation. And I said to him, Eddie, I was like, I, I'd like to do this, but what right do I have? Right? Because I'm, I'm not a survivor, right? Yes, I'm a kid. And I, I'm yeah, young. Exactly. I'm 27 years old. I'm not a, a history. I don't have seven letters before or after my name, right? Like, I'm not really anybody. How, how dare I discuss this subject? And he said, Johnny, you got it all wrong. He said, you're my witness. If your generation don't start standing up as witnesses of the witnesses, then everything's gone. There are people who, who actually say it never existed. I can't believe it. Yeah. You know, I know that people are still saying that the world is flat, right? Yeah, you got nuts so, everywhere. Yeah, right? or the the moon landing was all fake and Hollywood stuff. But um, how can they? How dare they? Right? Yeah. Well, now, ten years down the line, there are probably going to be not many survivors left, if any. If any, ten years. Yeah. So. What's going to happen to your foundation? Where are you going to go with this in 10 years? Our focus has always been on educating, okay. right? You know, the, the fact that we've been blessed to, to be at this position where we're able to support the, the survivors and the righteous is something that I'm very happy about. But to be honest, our work becomes more important in 10 years' time. Because there's no one there to tell the story no firsthand. Right? No. And, and Are you recording everything? Everything. Wow. Everything, 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 everything. Like, um, we just keep recording. And, you know, a lot of the stuff is, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and tens of thousands of hours of recordings. And a lot of the stuff you don't really realize when it's going to be important, right? It's like, well, suddenly that person's story relating to that thing, you know, becomes quite crucial and interesting. And it's also figuring out how we spread the message. So, for example, I wasn't too long ago in Uzbekistan. Right, which is a fascinating country, you know. Central Asia. Yeah, very, very interesting country. But, you know, then suddenly I found myself following the route of Jews, especially from places like Belarus and Ukraine and Russia. You know, the war became really major for them in 1941. So a lot of them were escaping to those areas. They had a quarter of a million Jews in Tashkent. Wow. Right, who knew? No idea. Right, yeah, who knew? But, you know, they'd found themselves there during the war and, and the, the Uzbeks were generally quite decent to them, right? Yes. And so, you know, all, all of this history together yes. becomes really interesting and important. And it's also focusing on, you know, well, what are we doing to tell the stories of broader population as well? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were, we, we've worked with Hollywood celebrities and, you know, and Mike Tyson was a guest of ours in Poland not so long ago. We took him to see the, the Warsaw Ghetto sites. How was he? He was interesting, Mike's Mike, right? But, you know, Mike's audience is massive, right? Yes. And, and you know, for Mike to take time and look at these He's sites, a Muslim now, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's very practical. I'm no. not sure how religious he is. Uh, yeah. I, I might be wrong. He, he, I, I, we, we had, well, he wasn't practicing when he, when he was with you. No, I didn't see him. Well, maybe he prayed in quiet. How much time know. did you spend with him? A little, quite a bit, quite a bit. That, that, was, oh, that was an experience. Interesting. Was yeah. off, off the Gosh. record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Uh, he, I'm gonna, sorry, interesting. before we go to yeah. my thought, I'm going to go back to the gentleman who dated Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Did he say anything about her? He, well, yeah, I hit the stories were nuts. Like, you know, he was talking to me about Jimmy. 
I was like, I don't... I, half, half elf. No, no, Jimmy. And I was like trying to be, I was like, Jimmy? Do you ever think I'm thinking of Jimmy? Who, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy? Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy. And it was, it was James Dean. No. But he called him Jimmy. Wow. Yeah. And it like, you know, Jimmy and, it, and his father had died and it was a whole big thing and Marilyn Monroe and it was like pictures of him holding her hands and stuff and like it, it still he never like, said anything of her about her or yeah she was a really sweet girl he'd tell me how she was like a really sweet girl I'm so sad what happened to her and she just did got, he feel she was killed or suicide I, I didn't really did get he? into that but she was she I think it was suicide is what he mm-hmm. his, he felt like he really was telling me he was like Johnny like she's her situation was just sad. Yes. Like she was just a sad girl who got manipulated. It's a little bit like Diana, I feel. Yeah, it's a bit a, like that. Lost in the headlights and really sad life and went too early. Yeah, quite simply. And but it, it, it was just nuts to what be. What a fascinating guy. He he was crazy fascinating. Like it was honestly like I I I'd just sit with him and you'd be like, what? Like, huh? Like you know we'd be talking about the war and all of this stuff and. The thing was, a lot of people are Holocaust survivors, and that, that really is the kind of who they are. But but Jack wasn't like he was. If he you look at his Wikipedia, and just oh my god! Like, like you look at his Wikipedia, it's like Holocaust was like right at the end. Like it wasn't like that wasn't who he yes. was at all. And he was in thirteen camps. You know he. He was, you what know... What was his survival thing? Well, how did well, he survive? I mean, I... T- I, t- I t- t- not he smart? Luck. I mean, I told mm. you the story about his mother who threw yes. him... Um, to the other side. To the other side. And then he was in line to meet Mengele, right? The, the doctor of yeah, Auschwitz. This yes. horrible, horrible man who would point to one side for live and point to the other yes. side for death. And he was Experiment in Experiment on children. Experiment on children, on twins, on everybody. Yeah. The evil, evil man. And Jack was in line for Mengele. Jack was only 13. Right, you gotta remember anyone who looked a bit young was just thrown so in So he remembers seeing Dr. Mengele. He stood in line to Mengele, and he's standing in line, and he's waiting for his turn. And Mengele looks you up and down, speaks to you a little bit, and he's in line, and he's telling me this story. And he's sitting right next he to him. He looked evil in the eye. Oh, and my he, he's God. just standing towards Mengele, and Mengele looks at him and reaches over and touches his face. And strokes his face, and Jack did that to me, and honestly, like shook. Yeah, I was like this, and he stroked Jack on the face, and he said, "Tell me, young man, how old are you?" And Jack lied and said, "I'm 18." And suddenly, this man standing behind, and he, he always said he had like a rough beard, like you. Is what Jack said to me. He stood up, and he said, "We're famous mosaic artists from Czechoslovakia." And Jack was like, uh, "Okay." Wow. Right? So Mengele said, hmm, interesting. That way. That way. And him and the guy went towards the line to live. He's 13, it would have been 13. 14 would have been that way. He would have been killed every yeah. single way. Somehow that man came from nowhere. Jack's then walking. And he says, oh, I feel a bit bad. I lied to that nice doctor. And he turns around to head to back towards back Mengele to, to tell him that he lied. And one of the capos stops him I said, Do and says, where are, are you going? Mm. He says, oh, I lied to the nice doctor. And he says, fool, and whacked him with his stick and says, get back there. And that's how... Saved again. That's how he got saved again. And then through Auschwitz, another, you know, story after story of just miraculous survival. It was... How long was he there? Because it, it, he, he didn't survive after four or five months, did no, you? No, well, it really depended. I mean, he, he was sent from there to other camps. Um, and to other places where work was needed suddenly, mm-hmm. where this was, where that was. It was, again, there wasn't really a rhyme or reason. It was just kind of luck. 
It was yes. if, if you're lucky, yes. you'll survive. So you keep flicking the coin, and you lands. Oh head yeah, on the time. but you, yeah. you you look at someone the wrong way, you're gonna get killed. You're too loud. You're gonna get killed. You're too this. You're gonna get killed. Oh, so yeah, he know. was smart. He was so smart. Maybe that his brain created that luck. Yeah, for him. you also had to be tough, right? But but not physically tough, mm-hmm. right? Phys- obviously, you had to be some kind break of physical you. tough. They'll break you. They'll oh, break it was like we've all experienced this in our lives, right? A level where we think we can't go on anymore. Yes. Where just everything's too hard. And it was interesting when I was 19 years old, I decided that I was born and raised in London, as you can tell from my accent. We spoke about before, but I decided that you know, as a Jew. And, and through everything we've experienced, I really should be living in Israel, in my homeland. So I, I, my family all still lives in London, my mum and grandma, and dad and sisters, and I said, you know, I'm going to live in Israel. They're like, you know, a bit sad, and my grandma wasn't you'll too happy. Back. But you'll, you'll be, be back. back. Yeah, yeah, okay, go on then. Like, you yeah, know, roll their eyes. So I went to Israel, and, and, and after a year, I decided that I was going to sign up for the army. Oh, okay. Because I felt that, you know, if, if other people are doing that to protect our homelands, yes. I should as well. And, and when I signed up, um, I'd actually gone back to London to be with my family the week before I'd, I'd signed up. Yes. And I was at the synagogue on, on Shabbat, on the Sabbath. And, and after synagogue, I'd gone outside and I saw this old gentleman looking you know, a bit confused. And I said to him, you know, I can help you or something. And he said, well, this is my address. So I get a little bit confused. And I said, oh, well, you know, which direction? I'll take you. I said, I'll walk you. And so we're walking really slowly. He had like a limp and he was, you know, walking quite hard and, and, you know, had a heavy European accent. And I said, sir, tell me your story. And he turned around and and he said he he was born in in Eastern Europe and ended up, you know, in a small town. And and he had a twin brother and him and his twin brother were sent to Auschwitz. Mm. And in the line, Mengele took him and his brother. And the same Dr. Mengele that Jack had an experience, so too did they. And as part of the evil experimentation that he did on them, he injected them with um, lead into their blood. And it completely screwed up this guy's leg. And that's why he was limping. That's why he was limping. Um, And his brother was injected with something else and he was okay. Somehow, by the grace of God, both of them survived. The war ends and they don't have anywhere to go. Right, you know, the British stopped, you know, people entering. Uh, Could have saved a lot of lives if they would have opened it. The war ends and they somehow find themselves in Israel in the independence war. His brother, they both go to sign up and they said, well, you can't do very much right with your legs, so you, you can help in the office or something. His brother, who was fit and healthy, went off to fight. And he went off to fight and he was killed in the battle over Jerusalem. Right. And he turned around to me and said, but Johnny, just so you know, my brother died with a smile on his face. Yeah, that's a free He died fighting for his country. Yes. He didn't die in a camp, he died fighting for his country. There's a difference. And then that was like the week before I signed up, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I'm not in the, you know, I'm not some, you know, top physical specimen, right? You know, I wasn't. You well, know, I then played you a little. Only were then. Well, I played <laughs> a little more, bit of football yes. and stuff, but you know, I was never like in the best shape. And even when I signed up for the army, I was like, eh. And then I found I found myself, you know, in in all the physical tests and all of that stuff, and very very quickly, you're seeing people, you know, like kind of like a jarhead style testing where you know people are just dropping right, left, and centre. I don't want any more, but but leaving. And and after maybe a very short period of time, you realise that the the physical aspect is hard, the same level of hard for everybody, right? It's all mental, it is. all mental. And if you have the will to get through it, you will. And, and that's how I got through, but by having these people in my life and by having these people in my mind. And, and by understanding all of this and 
you know, and I experienced it for one day, mm. right? My mental strength probably wouldn't have lasted much longer yeah. than that. But for these other people, for these Holocaust survivors, and when you look at them and say, well, how did they carry on? They, they have a gene. They must have something that allows them to be strong, but mentally strong. And not physically you know, strong, they, necessarily. They destroyed your soul, your spirit. Right? And your body. Yeah. Did you... By the way, congratulations. Right. I want to talk to you about the State of Israel now, yeah, if you don't mind. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, because I think hatred breeds hatred, right? Absolutely. If you uh, take human dignity away, it, it, they come back retaliating. It hurts me that there are people that are confined in these small spaces by the... I may, I may be wrong. Honestly, I yeah. may be wrong, right? From what I see and what I'm led to believe that there are people who... who pack Palestinians because it was their land, right? It was taken away by the British or whoever who decided Israel is going... Surely, and I know at those times, the Christians, the Muslims, just lived happily next to each other. Yeah. And they messed it up. It was messed up by the Turks. It was messed up by the British. Correct. Then when obviously Israel got established, it was messed it up again. Is it possible? Because there's so much hatred. There's so much hatred. It, it, it really is one of the most difficult things, and and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for everybody, right? Let's yes. not get this, you know, mistaken. It's it's hard for us as well. Like, you know, it's easier for me to look at from my perspective, obviously. But you know, even when I'm looking, but, but I get it. If, yeah. if my if I've been persecuted for thousands of years, I want to have a home and make sure it never freaking happens again. Yeah, right? I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I honestly get it. Yeah, right? absolutely. But at the same time, I'll be like, well, I can't move these people out because they want to come back in. Right? It, it's not as simple as them coming back in. It, it, I'm simplifying yeah, it. Of Does course, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it, it is it's a massive problem, mm -hmm. right? And, and when we look at it and when we think about what, you know, how will peace eventually come about in the Middle East? And it, it is 100% possible. You know, look, you, you were from Iran. Everything was fine. Correct. You know, before the revolution, Correct. you know, my, my stepfather's family is from Iran, yes. right? You know, they lived, you know, very happily. Iranians, Correct. Persians, Persian Jews, and Persian, Persian. people. Oh, my exactly. goodness. Yeah. Everyone was friendly, mm -hmm. right? The best place to be a Jew for thousands of years was in the Arab world. Yes. Right. In Morocco and in, in, in Algeria, in yeah, Iran, exactly. Iraq, everywhere. You know, the safest place for Jews mm -hmm. was in Arab mm -hmm. countries. And, and we were Jews were persecuted by Christians, Correct. In Europe, right? Yes. In Europe, and, and now in the last few years since this rise in, in you know, extreme, you know, Islam, yes, this is kind yes. of what's happened. Yes. And it's switched, and we're, we're being persecuted by someone else, and yes. it becomes much more difficult. But if anything's taught us something, is that the last few years has definitely shown us that there is most definitely a way for peace. Mm -hmm. You know, look, we're having this conversation in I Dubai. I know, in Dubai, I would never cool would have thought, that? yes. Right. That's... We are lucky with the leadership. I'm not just saying oh, yeah. that we are so lucky with this leadership yeah. that um, they share the wealth, they share the knowledge, they are forward thinking. They're making peace with Iran. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know. Yeah. They well, actually have delegates negotiating, making peace again. Well, which I, I mean, never thought it would happen. Uh, well, hopefully that that remain that you know is something that's good for all of us in the yes. end because I unfortunately I think Iran's a different story. Uh, and I think Iran is a different story is because you're being held hostage by awful, awful, awful extremist you know, leadership. How I'd bad love the, to How visit. bad the regime, believe yeah. me, I do, yeah. it's home. Yeah. Um, the regime may have been stealing, but it was one yeah. family, yeah. right? Yeah. Here, they're all stealing. Yeah. And the thing is, when you use religion, I was, uh, you know that guy in uh, Haiti, uh, Haiti, Haiti? Yeah. Uh, Papa Doc? 
mm-hmm. and he was into I don't know if you know he was into voodoo and stuff I was like that's not so dissimilar to Iran yeah, yeah they're using religion to control you but again it's not going to last the younger generation will replace the old well idiots. we're seeing that the, the most horrendous things today. over the last few days you yes. know I think the biggest hashtag ever in the history of, of, of Instagram has been about this young lady who yes. was killed this 21 and year old lady you know what's lady. amazing women are coming out it's women well, led Again, you just hope that this is something that will lead to another revolution. Because honestly, for goodness sake, Iranians... I think think the regime is too ruthless. You know what? Nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. And I mean, you look at Putin now with Ukraine and all this stuff, and you're saying, what's happening in our world? Right? Why is all this hatred? Why why can't normal people just stand together? And and the truth is, is that there is a lot of good people. You know, often, and the media with the way it is especially today loves Focus. taking the cases yes. of the most extreme yeah, and then right? evil make it evil because that sells yeah that's good viewers yes it's clickbait it's all of that stuff Israel Palestine Israel Palestine Israel Palestine you know, come on like you know go to I invite you next time we'll do this podcast from Israel like, I would love Tel Aviv. to I would love to oh my goodness love you're going to see like so many Palestinians you had just Palestinian ministers in the Israeli government wow. right you know there's no apartheid there's no difference there is a major problem within extremist groups right okay. which you can't deal with right so Gaza well, for I guess example, you get on both sides yeah too, right? yeah well I mean look Gaza's run effectively by by Hamas which is Iranian backed yes and and a terror group yes you can't make peace with someone who wants your debt yes like it doesn't really work yes but when someone is pragmatic and understands it's better for you all can of communicate, us. You can understand Egypt, each other. Yes. Right? Who would have believed that Israel and Egypt would be peaceful neighbors? Yeah. We've been peaceful neighbors, incredibly peaceful neighbors. And this was our most right-wing prime minister, Menachem Begin, yes, who yes. brought us that peace. Yes. Right? You see the same thing with Lebanon, right? Which was, you know, now is a lot trickier and you've got all the problem with Iran and Russia and all of that stuff, right? But, you know, we've got peace of water with Jordan, Jordan. right? And Egypt. And, and eventually... When, when, and again, this goes right back to what we were saying almost at the beginning. When a population is kept poor and sad with nothing to live for, they do crazy shit. Exactly. Right? But if you've got a bit of money in your pocket and you've got prospects for your future. And you your know, family. And your family. Yes. You want Something peace. to live for. Yeah. I, there, there's nothing more. Like, you know, especially, look, I've seen Holocaust survivors. I've, you know, I've witnessed their stories over and over again. I don't want, God forbid, any possibility for my children and grandchildren not to live in peace. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I wouldn't do for peace, right? You look at Oslo, you look at the, all the other concessions Israel made in the past of peace. None of them, unfortunately, worked. But, but when it really comes down to it, everyone's like, yes, we'll, we'll do what we need to do to try and make peace. Yet we need to protect ourselves. Yeah, we need to protect ourselves. And, and, and this is kind of what it falls down to. When, when there is a moderate partner, Please, you know, please, you know, and, and we see all the time, like my friend's got this incredible kosher restaurant in Warsaw in Poland. His Israeli Moroccan, right? He was brought up, he was born in Morocco, so he speaks Arabic, and his Israeli, and he's now living in Poland, and his two chefs are Lebanese, right? One of them's actually a pediatrician, like a doctor, yes. a pediatrician well, he's from. A chef now. But <laughs> he, he came from Lebanon, yes. he, he can't work as a doctor quite yet in Europe, so he's cutting shawarma, right? Kebab, yes. right? All working with each other happily. Uh, no problem in Arabic and laughing and joking mm. and, you know, making fun of each other and having fun. And we, we can all live together when we break so it down. Education's key. Education's, education's key, everything. Respect, 
just respect and understand yeah. you know you could be a Muslim and that's cool like it's, it's perfectly fine like it, it, in fact it's awesome it's much more fun having variety yes right I, I love the fact that that you know I can go in Tel Aviv and sit down in an amazing Iranian restaurant, Persian restaurant, and have Hordish, right? I love that I can sit in a Turkish restaurant, in a, in a Lebanese, in a Japanese, in an African, in whatever it is. It, it, life is more fun when so it's true. not all the same. So true. Tell me about your daughters. Ah. Do you share your stories with your daughters? Absolutely. You've taken them to the concentration camp? Nope. Ah. So um, my eldest daughter, Michali, is 13, and my youngest daughter, Yaeli, is 9. So they have Israeli mum? Yeah, yeah, my okay. ex-wife's Israeli. Um, and they're, 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 the, they're everything for me, you know. As, there's nothing better than being a dad. Do you live with them, or you see them when, I, you go when to I'm When I'm in Israel, they're with me, and we, every summer so we travel quality, together and stuff. Quality time. Yeah, and the, the summers especially, we travel every summer. It really doesn't matter what I'm doing, all summer we're together. And every year we do something else. This year we traveled, I was with my eldest daughter actually in Dubai. She wanted to come here. She'd yes. seen it on TikTok and Instagram. She's like, Dad, I need to go to Dubai. I'm like, oh. You know, I'm like, remember dad's not a sheikh, right? I'm like, sure, easy, sure, right? Sure. So we came to Dubai anyway, and then we traveled all summer with my daughters and it was an amazing, amazingly fun time. Um, and with the girls, they, they, know, um, they know what I do to a degree. Um, I'll, I'll often, on my ex-wife's side, um, her family were also Holocaust survivors. In fact, my eldest daughter is named after her great-grandmother, who was the only member of her family to survive Auschwitz. She survived Auschwitz, and she died just a little bit before my eldest daughter was born, so we named her after her, and we've told her her story. Um, but with the girls, definitely, if last year was Michal's bat mitzvah, when the becoming of age. Yes, yes. And so we, we held a party in Israel, and I actually held a party for her in Poland. And the reason I held a party for her in Poland was because I wanted to give her the opportunity to meet some of these people. And she did. And, and they at came. her bat mitzvah, they came. a group of about 10 of the righteous amongst the nations came, including a 102-year-old man, man who'd saved 54 Jews, a guy by the name of Joseph wow. Olaszczak, who sadly passed. But Joseph was there at her bat mitzvah, and the other righteous were there, and they took part in this celebration. And she had an opportunity to meet these heroes. And this was something that I'm incredibly proud of. And even this summer, we, we took a big detour driving to Luzern. <laughs> and we went to Luzern for one reason. And that was because one of the righteous, the righteous lady who I helped escape from Ukraine, yes. had gone to family members in Luzern. So I wanted the girls. To see how she's doing. See, I wanted to see how she's doing. And I wanted the girls also to see her. And even though I won't go into all the stories in depth, I want to make sure that they meet these people. Yes. What I think probably one of the one of the pictures I love most in the whole world was it was about th four years ago now. Mr. Mossberg, Eddie Mossberg, who I spoke about many times, his bracelet I wore, was uh, he'd actually uh, spoken at some event in Poland, and the president, the CEO of El Al, Israel's airline, was there, and they were doing a code share between lot Polish airlines and El Al, and at the opening event, I got. Mr. Mossberg to speak as someone who kind of unites Poles and Israelis and Jews and the CEO of Elal said I want you to come and speak to my top executives and, and, and that was crazy right because you know an airline's very difficult to run at the best sure. of times and you always need to be online a room way bigger than this all of his top executives are there he said I've never told you to turn your phones off everybody turn your phones off now and they sat down and listened to Mr. Mossberg speak and it completely changed Oof. everybody so Eddie was in Israel and I brought my girls to meet him. 
And so we walk around the hotel a little bit, and he, he was had a bit of a shake. And Michali, who must have been, I think, seven or eight at the time, just went up and took his hand and started walking with him. And and like I, I just, I, I, I cried then. Yeah. Uh, I cried then. He I got very photo. emotional. Yeah, I took a photo. It was a beautiful picture of them walking uh, from behind. And, and, and that was, the, the, those, when you go back to the question before, does the things make me cry? That stuff makes me cry. So you have a beautiful obsession. Yeah, yeah You have absolutely. to be obsessed to succeed in life in whatever you set out to yeah. do, right? Yeah, well, you, you have to... Look, it's, and it's also, it's not, it's not easy, right? And I think that the difficulty here isn't even necessarily the stories or, or, or the burden of carrying this history mm -hmm. because it's important. On one hand, I think that the main difficulty is probably the lack of interest that you find mm -hmm. because there, there is a kind of... Um, just pass, let it, let it be. Yeah, really just move it. on. Like there, there are people who, you know, there's Holocaust fatigue. It was Eddie Wiesel that told me that. Mm -hmm. He said, there is Holocaust fatigue. And people are tired, oh, again with your Holocaust thingy, right? So, you know, that is, is kind of a, you know, that does get a bit. And, and hatred online, right? Which, which happens all the time for everybody. Do you get hate? Oh, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of anti-Semitic stuff, there'll be, and I'll say something that, you know, in this podcast we spoke about, you know, for example, Putin, just mentioning yes. his name. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll get rammed It'll on or something people. else with, you know, mm. a bunch of Russian trolls. Right, well, you'd say something that was pro, you know, Russia. I talk about money and I get hate. Yeah, yeah. That everybody deserves abundance. Suddenly, why are you always talking about money? I'm like, I'm <laughs> talking about abundance and happiness. Yeah. Sorry, I'm making, I, sh I think everybody should be happy, right? But, but it's look, crazy. It is crazy, but I think that this is also like part of it is like you just have to be able to learn to roll with this hate take it, yeah, and just take to, it yeah. and, and realize that it just isn't personal. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest with you, like the biggest life lessons that I've got have been as a result of this hatred yeah. because you realize it's, it's all just a bloody game yes for most of these people it's mm. just a game it's just some loser sitting in his mummy's basement yeah. you know pissed off with their lives pissed off yeah. having a beer scratching his nose yeah. you know got nothing want to have do. a six pack yeah i don't not earning the money he <laughs> yeah, wants exactly. and he, he blames the world for his yes yeah, so yeah. you know and he's like well, keyboard warriors is what they call yeah. them right yeah, just yeah, yeah, losers exactly. doing nothing you know strong man sitting there and yeah, and these troll farms and all that stuff. And the other day, the other day, yesterday actually, I had a message, uh, somebody saying, you claim you're Iranian. I said, yes, I am. I was mm -hmm. born there. He goes, well, if you claim you're Iranian, you're going to use that to make money. Why don't you talk about what's happening in Iran right now and stand up for the women? I said, well, well I don't make political statements, right. right? What I do privately, I do that. And I got so much hate from her. Right. And I started responding. I thought, actually, it's not achieving anything. No. Nothing. And then they stop. They stop communicating. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I get that all the time. Why yeah. are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Yeah. We can't do everything, exactly. Right, but but we are. We do what we do, right? And and th the point is, is it doesn't really matter that you can't justify this. And you hate. can't please everybody. No, and you, you're going to piss some people off, yes. and there'll be something I said that's going to trigger other people. The fact that we talk about collaborators. Yes. You know, some people get angry. Did we? Did we? It's like whoa, 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 right? We all have our truth, right? Exactly. And, and our truths will all be different, right? And that's also okay. You Respect know. people's truths and keep it to yourself. Don't keep try to or, or you can argue change somebody else's... Uh, but we can have a discussion, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You can ask difficult questions and mm -hmm. you can challenge and people think. and get them to think. And that's fine. But, but it, it needs to be done in a respectful and decent way. And I think the biggest problem is, is that none of this is respectful and decent. Yes. But I also don't think this will carry on for very long. I, th I think this is going to be some kind of jolt within our generation 
And that there has to be some kind I of think, verification. I think the world's going to be a better place after we've gone. Honestly, I believe in a new generation. I believe in human beings. I think, I think most of our new generation are, care about the environment. They care about world. They care about peace. I think so. Young really people always tend to. And then when you get a bit older, you try and just let it be. I mean, that's yeah. always what happens, yeah. right? We always have these young people get very involved and then they yes. become a lot more right-wing as they mm-hmm. get older and all that stuff. I think eventually uh, a lot of the problems we're seeing today are things connected to like online bullying, and, and cyber crimes. I yes. think I think that will have to be dealt with eventually and, and regulated because that isn't okay. A couple of months ago, uh, I saw a moving article on LinkedIn. And it was a father of this handicapped child and he was trying to raise some money. So I said, can, how can I help? You won't believe how much hate messages I got. Yeah. Do you know what they were saying? Uh. Why are you helping a white kid? I'm like, I didn't even think <laughs> the child was white. Yeah. I was just helping a disabled child, right? Yeah. But the way that people see it is color of the skin yeah. or their, based on their own nuts. reality, yeah. based on their own. This is also nuts. And I get it as well. You, well, you're mm. white. It's like, um, well, I'm, am I, yeah, am I, I like, wasn't yet. white enough, like, you know, yes. 70 years ago, and suddenly, yes. you know, I've got white, Jews have got white privilege, really? Yes. Like, you know, are you kidding me? But suddenly, you know, everyone's got this privilege and everyone's got this, just be a decent person. Exactly. Just focus on yourself. And it's so much easier to be woke, right? Yes. And to call people out. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. Then actually make the a mirror. difference. Or look in the mirror yeah. yourself, right? It's so much easier to be woke because you don't have to think much. It's like, you want to make a difference? Shout and point at that person. It's like, whoa, if you want to make a difference, go and volunteer. Yes. Right, go and help people who really yes. need it because people are truly struggling today. Yes, truly yeah. across the platform, and, and and you know, and really, this is when kind of back to what the foundation and the point of all of this is, is to really try and understand of of just how we're decent people today, and how we step up, and how we look at a future that's better. Because right now, we're we're not going down a good path. We just aren't, and and you know, it's a very difficult time to live in. And I think the other part of all of this as well is that however difficult it feels today, it's been more difficult. Yes. And it's been harder. And people got through that. Yes. And the way people got through that is by really persevering and believing in themselves and being decent. And and I think that this is also a big message because we, we do have a difficult few years ahead. I think it's obvious to everybody by this point. You know, re, you know, huge inflations and recessions and difficulties. Recessions coming. 100%. Yeah, and and you know, when you look at all of this stuff, things do get tough. Mm-hmm. But you know what? All of us will have what to eat. Yes. Right. All yeah. of us will have safety. Yes. We just won't right. go as many holidays and we won't have the cars that we want to drive. But it's going to be tough times. Yeah. And 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 well, who said life's easy, right? Is it? Yeah. And and it's it's these things that that kind of make us who we are as well. Exactly. Like you, you are who you are because of what you experience having to escape Iran and grow up in, in the UK and experience racism and all Correct. of that stuff. That makes you who you are. You watch my videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Listen to the podcast. But it's all of these points make us who we are Correct. because of what we experience. You know, I too you know, experience racism, experience hatred, experience anti-Semitism. And, and, and all of this stuff does make me who I am. It makes me look over my shoulder a little bit more, of course. Mm. And, you know, potentially paranoid of all of this stuff. But... That also pushes you and, and, and forces you to, to make a difference and, and to stand up and try and be counted. Beautiful. 
our listeners if they want to contribute. Yeah. Thank you, by the way. We've been yeah, over an hour. Can you believe it? Yeah. An hour and 15 minutes. Time flies. It does. So I, I, I swear I want, I want to hear <laughs> it again. Oh, we do another one in Israel. I hold I'm you to that. up for it. Yeah. Just let me know the dates. I'll just Done. Pick. Done. Also, I would... A favour. Yeah, go on. Most of these survivors don't speak English now, do they? A lot of them do. They do? A lot of them do. I would be honoured if you're ever going to meet one, invite me to come. Absolutely, brother. I'll be honoured. Absolutely. It's my dream. Absolutely, brother. To meet one. Absolutely. Um, 20, 30 years ago, my wife, ex-wife, used to have a beauty salon. And it was in a Jewish area, Cheatham Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in Manchester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Near Salford, right? Correct, yeah, yeah. yes. And uh, the story was that the, when the Jewish people came, they walked and they just put their cases down and they were tired and they just set up home in that area. So yeah. it's a big Jewish community. And lots of her clients, women, had the tattoos. Mm. And I hate the fact, most of them have passed away now, mm. hate the fact that I didn't spend time with them. And they were so nice. Yeah. I just, I missed on that. Yeah, mm. and if you do, I would be honored. Absolutely, no question. If you let that. me know, I'll just join, just sit to the back, hold their hand, kiss their hand. Yeah. Just. They really are the, the most important people to sit down and listen with and, and, and make sure they I'll figure it out. I'll be honored. I'll be honored. That'd be great. Now, if our listeners want to contribute, how do they please to the camera tell them yeah. how do they well, contribute well no I'm going to pitch the camera but I'm sure just we'll tell have, me we'll and then we'll have captions website, exactly yes. to our website from the depths.org and, and, and really it's you where know, does the money go what do you do with it the, well, actually we're, we're really really lucky um, we're really lucky that we don't have any staff um, the, the good thing about you know another good thing about our generation is that people do like to volunteer so we have people mainly volunteering with us we've got one full time driver which is the guy who drives the righteous in those London taxis that I spoke yeah. about uh, but everyone else, including myself, uh, doesn't take a salary from the foundation. And the focus on this is really just making sure that the money goes back into education and to helping them. So the big, big, big focus right now, what I'm trying to do at the moment, is we're looking at what, you know, coming up to this winter is going to be a very difficult winter. Yes. You know, here I, I, in Dubai, I don't think really think about the cold ever coming. Yeah, but, but in, in Europe, Poland, oh, it's freezing. Yeah. Absolutely freezing. I mean, e even now, like... I, I, I was in Poland last week and I, I jumper and jacket and hat and I was cold. It's going to be a harsh winter. The energy prices are extreme. Yes. So what we're attempting to do is figure out how, again, it, you can't, if I come and give them a check for a thousand dollars. They will know what to do with it. Or a thousand euros or mm -hmm. 10,000 slotty. They'll know what to do with it. But it'll just go. It'll yes. put it in the mattress. Right, <laughs> literally, they, yeah. literally, or they'll give it to their loser grandson. It's mm -hmm. usually one of those things. Yes. Everyone's got some, you know, family member who needs help or whatever. Yes, they'll, yes. they'll give it to them. They'll think I'll be okay. And last year, as part of the, the Christmas gifts, we gave these like fleece blankets, and a few of them were like, "Oh, that's so good because I don't want to turn my heating on; it's too expensive." And that was last year, and the energy prices have really soared yeah. now. So one of the things we're attempting to do right now is figure out, uh, and this is actually part of what I'm doing on my holiday, is is working on pitches to different energy companies to say, look, I want you to come on board with us and help because I want to take their energy to me. Meaning I don't want them, I want them to know that it's free. Yes. Because if I give them money for it, they still won't use it. But when it's free, I'll wow. say, look, just turn it on. Wow. Like, it's free, it's paid And they for. can do that per household? It's really tricky mm. because there's all these like 
you know. You, yeah, and you're speaking government levels now. Yeah, which isn't too hard. Um, we have, thank God, very good government relations all over. So we have to like push on people to Amazing. say, look, help us help them. Amazing. So he goes straight to the bottom line. He goes straight oh, to absolutely. the absolutely. Even we have fiscal sponsors. Like we, no, no one takes any money of us. Yes. Like literally, a hundred percent of the donation goes straight Amazing. to where we to go, which is Amazing. really quite special, actually. I'm honoured, bro. Yeah, thank you, brother. I'm honoured. I noticed I was in Holland. Uh, I, I went to Krakow. Yeah. Stayed there for a week and then went to Amsterdam. And I, uh, I was reading this book about the old people of Amsterdam. There was one survivor of the Holocaust and then he made it his life. You may know, you may not. He's a lawyer in Amsterdam and he sued companies like the Dutch Railway who profited from uh, taking prisoners oh. or, or, or people who were... Uh, being taken to concentration camps. It was interesting because lots of businesses profited. And lots of people didn't even think about Ford. Right. Ford. No one realizes that. Henry Ford was a horrible man. No. Tell yeah. me, tell me, tell the me. Father Ford, the big Ford, you know, the, yes. the recreator of the company, was an yeah. absolute evil, evil man. Like he he hosted Nazis, he really? gave money to the Nazi party. Really? Yeah, he it, they were like Jews working in DP camps making parts of Ford. That he was an absolute so Nazi. He, he profited from it. Hundred percent profited, and you know, so Ford, even Ford, you know, make make this effort to try and cover up their history, and you know, in their museum they have nothing written about that. Amazing. They give symbolic money to like Holocaust museums. It's like mm -hmm. you know, take this, don't mm -hmm. say Keep anything, quiet, go away. Yes. Um, and obviously, everyone knows about you know BMW, BMW Mercedes, yes. Hugo Boss made yes. Nazis outfits. Right, it's how they all look so good, all designed by Hugo Boss <laughs> uh, bastards, right? Yeah. You know, all these companies and like... <laughs> they look good, yeah. I was yeah. actually reading, freaking Mussolini started it all. Yeah. You know that, don't you, in the 1921 or something, Mussolini started the black clothes and... Yeah, it was scary, right? This yeah. like image of these, yeah, you know, yeah. so they're all, you know, all their things made by Hugo and Boss and you look up, you know, but... We move on. It's actually when, when I uh, I got a car in in Poland because driving around with all the righteous, I called Mr. Mossberg, and and I said Eddie, like you know, I'm I'm getting a car. Like I've, there's a really good deal on an older on an older. Well, what I call him. I said it's a really good deal on an older Mercedes. It was like 2014. It was a quite a good price. I was like, do you mind? He said, look, they're bastards, but they make good cars. <laughs> right? It's wow. fine. It, time's That's moved amazing. on. So, you know, I, 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 even I drive a Mercedes today. But, but absolutely, the, these companies most definitely still have a responsibility. Most of them haven't really dealt with it mm -hmm. properly. They haven't. They like Ford, denied. like I said, d don't deny. Although Ford was in the US, they still supported the absolutely. Nazis in Germany. Absolutely. And parts were made by Ford factories. And he was a real, like, full on Nazi sympathizer and supporter. Like, you can find all this stuff online. Did Hitler like, I don't think so. I think Hitler died in the bunker. Yeah. And the, lots of the top lots Nazis of went to South Nazis, America. Yeah, yeah, were living in in, Aust uh, in uh, Argentina and other South American there are countries. Villages that they don't even speak in Spanish or anything. They they speak German. Yeah, till today. Yes. Yeah, and pictures of Hitler on the wall. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go and see these places. I would love. I'll come with you. Let's go challenge them. Let's do it. But no, that, that for me, that's it's fascinating. It's that it's just these like, you know. Old Nazis, Nazis who like yes. ran there and hid and carried are they on. Are alive still? Or no, yeah, probably not. you know, I, yes, there, there are definitely Nazis who are still alive, um, and still some being prosecuted. Mm. Um, Do you think you should still be prosecuted if they're hundred years old? Hell yeah, yeah, hell yeah. I think it also plays. A, it plays Don't a, let it go. Let it no, be. No, no. You know, uh, one thing that Mr. Mossberg um, would always say, 
he'd say, you know, everyone says never again. He'd also say never forgive. Mm-hmm. You know, and people would ask him, do you forgive what happens? Can you forgive? And he said, I have no right to forgive anybody. Yeah. Only the dead can forgive. And we, we don't have a right at all yeah, it's to, not to decision forgiveness mm-hmm. or, or to what absolutely not there's zero forgiveness that any of but us those babies do. have a right yeah those those children, women and children one and a half million children I know. murdered like in the most horrendous ways it, you can't imagine that it's unfathomable to, to have so much hatred on anybody truly finally yes uh, there were gays Disabled people are also suffered in a yeah. Holocaust. Is there a list that Romani, like gypsies, yeah, gypsies? Right, right. Is there a list of those people that we could help as well? Yeah, absolutely. There are different communities. I mean, look, every nation tells their own story, right? It's part of who we are. Um, when I look at the Holocaust as a Jew, I'm formatively looking at it as a Jewish issue, yes. right? Because that's my story to tell. Of course. Uh, however, there were you know, many, many, many gays who were killed in the Holocaust. Yes. As you said, disabled, Romani, gypsies, uh, Poles. Poles. This is Russians. something that a lot of people don't realize. Yes. But, you know, the, the Polish nation suffered huge loss. Yeah. Didn't right? they lose like a quarter of the population? Or something? Well, what, not, no, not quite. Not but, but about three million ethnic Poles were killed during the war. Between two to three million ethnic Poles and three million Jewish Poles. Right, Poland was the was the hub of Jewish life correct, pre-war. Correct, correct. So, from the six million Jews who were killed in the war, three million of them were Polish Jews. So, in addition to Poland losing their Jewish population, they also lost about two to three million of their own population. They they were really smashed down and and pushed down by the Germans. Like, so you know, they were completely taken over. The German, the Polish government was in in the UK at the time. They managed to escape, um, and and each nation does tell their own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they should, and, and, and I try to, when I, when I talk about Holocaust, is, you know, definitely also mention others and work with others as well. You know, we, we've worked with, with the Romani community uh, multiple times. Uh, we've also spoken a lot about the uh, LGBTQ yes. community yes, and, and yes. their roles in yes. dealing with all this, and, you know, along with Poles and So even your, your um, foundation is not exclusive oh absolutely exclusive not to them. no yeah, look means. you know at the end of the day it's ridiculous to be uh, just looking at yourself Indeed. because that's not the po- <laughs> that's how this shit happens exactly, right? exactly. you know we need to look you at have it to practice point. it and yeah. then we can you know if we suffer together then we suffer together and and you know it's it's we always talk about this like most of our Donors are Christians and Muslims and, and you know, and, and not Jews. And we, we don't ask anybody. I like, couldn't care less. You know, all of the trips that we do, and we've taken many people out to visit with the righteous and to, to see the, the death camps, I think, probably 90%. Do you do visits to the death camps? Yeah. Man, send me these stuff, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will. You've got to. Okay, I, don't let this be... No, 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 no. Um, you're on your travels. Yeah. So, how many more days do you leave tomorrow? I do. I leave. I leave. So, what's your plan for today? To, to be honest, I'm just beach. trying to take it a bit easy. I, I'm not a big fan of the beach. I get very bored very quickly. Yes. Uh, I, I have a couple of books actually with me that I just I don't. I, I feel that I was like missing a bit of actually Russian literature from my so but, but Dostoevsky and some other oh, stuff. Oh, wow, deep stuff. Deep stuff. I, I'm trying. I, I there, there's like I've been there are three books that I've been asked to write. 
and I, I've written most of it. I was going to say, have you written any books yet? I've got three uh, that I've all been, on the go. All on the go. They're all almost done, but I'm not really willing to let go yet. And I don't feel. I feel like. I need to, to cover all my bases in terms of understanding from the greats of how to write and, and what to look at before I can really let go of what I've written. What I find, I'm writing, I've been writing a book for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I keep writing it and I think this is not portraying how I want it to come across. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And also some of it, um, it talks about my childhood and it's not, not been a good one. And some of those people are alive. And I don't want them to read the book and think, you know, it's an attack on them. It's, it's just... I think you're just going to let go of autobiography. Should it be an autobiography? Should it be a third, written from a third party for a yeah. fiction one, but yeah. with the message? It's it's very difficult. Yeah, writing. It, it is, but you just have to let go at some point. I think this is yeah. what I've learned as well. Is that for, for me, it's also what's keeping me stuck with, with letting go of the books is is also it, it's weird. But I'm happy to do a podcast like this, which will last forever, right? Or a TV interview, whatever it is. And I don't really, you know, I'm fine. I don't want to know the questions in advance. I much prefer being surprised. But there's something about a book. That kind of feels like I don't want my grandkids That's to it. pick it that up and be like, yes. well, like, my grandpa was an yeah. idiot, right? Like, <laughs> no, they will like, never like, think that. No, I but think, do you know what I mean? I think like, often we're too hard on ourselves. To be yeah, honest. a little bit. So I, I'm a bit scared about these books, sure. but but I, I do just have to let it go. So I probably will spend the rest of the day reading something fun and exciting like Amazing. Dostoevsky. Yeah. Um, but you know th- that's generally the plan. I want to we want to go to see the, the Dubai Mall, but I thought about yeah. doing that on the way. To the you airport. have to see the. I don't think it's a, the modern museum is incredible. That beautiful silver building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Is it a good museum? I it's, heard that the museums are a bit shit, to be honest. No, it's a future museum. It's different. Yeah, it's what? all the, the future of humanity. Okay. Yeah, you you like it? Yeah. You re- really? I was. I don't. Yes, mm. but I did, mm. and I was impressed. I yes. don't, but I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only museum I've ever been to, I've been impressed, was the British Museum in London. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? But uh, this one is a future museum. It's yeah. really, it's the vision of our founder, yeah. Sheikh Mohammed, and it's incredible. It's a beautiful building. Yeah, and no, I've seen the building. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Inside, the writing it's so modern. Yeah. So modern well, maybe we'll have a look at it. But it may be fully booked, so yeah. you need to book it online. Uh, definitely Burj Khalifa, tallest building in the world. Dubai yeah. Mall. Dubai Mall is the biggest aquarium in there. Yeah, and they've got that ski yeah, slope. But then and the other my, one my driver like, will tell if you say I wanted this, 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 he'll take you to places. Yeah, awesome. Have you seen the ski slope? It, that's in the other mall, isn't in it? In the mall here. It's yeah, not yeah. on the way, it's in one line. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I'll get him to take care of you. Thank you, thank you, brother. Done. But you have his mobile number, so just yeah, WhatsApp Malik. him. Yeah, yeah it, it honestly depends when he finishes with the kids. I'll get it organized, I'll let yeah, you Yeah, so when, he's, when he finishes with the kids, if he can meet us and we go to Dubai Mall and then we have to go to the airport tonight. sure, anyway, sure, I'm going sure. To yeah, you just off want to hang you, around off to Delhi this evening That's and also you want to put your case somewhere should safe. be an interesting experience I, I love do you know what I love about India you've been yes colours it's such a rich country of Smells, colors, language, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm a bit nervous. You're I'm like, not. I'm no, you love it. It's nothing like you think it I, I'm very, so, I, I went kind to of Kerala. Like, Kerala. Oh, I, I can't, yeah, Kerala's meant to be amazing, but yes. like New Delhi, I, 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 I'm not, I'm like quite a big fan of things like personal space. And you're gonna hate that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah, say, yeah. if you can yeah, handle yeah, yeah, the yeah. traffic, yeah, and everybody breathing down your oh, I don't leg, like that. Yeah, then, then, yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't like. I was, I was in Japan and I was at the market, and and it was all fine at the beginning. Yes, and suddenly like everyone's pushing me. Do you know what's really funny? Pushing me. I'm yeah. like, stop pushing but me. That's what they do. Yeah, like, they do you know what's really funny? I, I like my space. I was yeah. the other day. I was on an escalator, and an Indian gentleman stood on the same step as me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like. <laughs> 
what the fuck? you know just leave me alone you have and I tell I said you have the here and there why are you and to him it was nothing yeah being in my space is nothing he stood on the same step yeah like yeah, and he was like why is he so mad and crazy at me because it's yeah. just like my freaking space leave me I, alone. I was with a guy who, who was telling me that he, he like he was driving him mad getting pushed all the time and he was at the airport and he was wanting to take his suitcase everyone's pushing him so he's like you know what? I'm going to try him so he like took his suitcase and just whacked someone yeah and the guy was like just no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's nothing. Yeah, no. It's nothing. We were talking about that this morning in our uh, company meeting. Is that there's 1.6 billion Indian yeah. people. Did you know the middle class population is bigger than the size of Europe? <laughs> it's hard to imagine. It is hard the to middle imagine. class of India is bigger than the whole population of Europe. Yeah, it's a huge country. Yeah, it, it, it is. It, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting with when you look at the broadness of it. You know, I, I went to Goa last year and and beautiful place but to get from the airport to Goa you don't want to do that do that road you know until they fix the infrastructure here everything's built around the infrastructure yeah. of you oh, using come kind of, on like, this is another yeah. level I've yeah. got I've got a friend of mine who's a businessman out there so they've sent me his driver right. to take me to Taj Mahal right. and everyone's like the, the guy was also telling me like, when you get there it's nice yeah, they, yeah. the guy was like the, he's like you've never seen so many people yeah. he's like it's not like you can't even drive down a stretch of roads where there won't be loads of people. It's like you'll be driving for hours and everywhere's people. Yeah, and, and also like you check into a hotel. It's not just people, cows, yeah. dogs. Oh, you animals. can't touch cows. No, they're no. just, they're oh, just they're holy, right? in front of yeah. the car next to the car. And also noise. Yeah. Noise, the beeping and the horns constantly. Yeah. So, I'm quite excited. Yeah. Like, I, I, I love an experience. Yeah. Like, I definitely know. Everyone's like. You love the Indian people. They're yeah. beautiful. They're amazing. Yeah, and there, someone's telling me as well that, like, um, the chance of you not getting the right change is yes. 99%. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, You've got to be on your toes all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah double check everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Even the restaurant, just double check everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just different. You don't want to live there, in my opinion, but it's just different. I, I, I Again, I've, I've traveled, I've been really blessed to have traveled to a lot of different countries, yeah. and, and it's all part of an experience it and is. experiencing life. It's going to be the second biggest economy on the planet after yeah. China. Bloody hell. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, they're, they're, it, they're richest man now. It's the second richest man on the planet. Indian. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Can you imagine if you have a SIM card that suddenly you have? 780 million users, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you dominate the world, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. It's, uh, and then what's happening is that I think the country is only 60, 70 years old, right? Yeah, After independence, yeah. nothing. They're, they're a young country. They are a young country. Another and rich. Yeah. Rich. Uh, the good old British taxed them for hundreds of years. Yeah. And the Canadians, the British, and the Americans, the South Africans. Britain's done quite well. Yeah, it, it's interesting. But it was like, because they offered me like this slum tour. I'm like, nah, I don't fancy that. No, it's heartbreaking. No, one that, that was basically sad stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, what happens is, one thing, uh, generally speaking, Indians are very peaceful people. And what happens, a billionaire could be living next to people who are in, living in boxes. And it's just okay. Yeah. I've never seen that anywhere in the world where it's just okay. Yeah, just kind everybody of accepts it as it is. Yeah. I couldn't live in that billion-dollar palace, knowing next, right next door to my wall, the people are sleeping rough in boxes. Yeah, but you feel so. Yeah, yeah. But that, it's just that's the way it is. Yeah, over there, so. yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's a different mindset, mm. and and it's it's not Western and all of this stuff. It's just different, and yeah. that, that's and okay. And, and you know yeah. what? They're all happy. Yeah. They're well, all happy. People in the yeah. street, you you will not see so many people with smiles on their faces, yeah. happy. Yeah. 
capitalist world hasn't take <laughs> taken yeah. over their mindset. They're yeah. just happiest people and the poorest people. So. Yeah. Well, it just it's a lesson about wealth as well, isn't it? It's not it's not all about you know fancy watches and fancy. That's another models. conversation. That is another conversation. Johnny, thank you thank so you, much, brother. brother. Thank I you. Really, I really, really enjoyed it. Me too. My honor. Thank and you please so give much. my regards to your partner. We organize the drivers. Thank you. Keep in touch. You, you owe me some visit Done. to Israel. No, we're in touch. Uh, meeting uh, survivors, more donations from me. Done. Um, we're in touch. It, it, yeah, please. We're in touch. 100%. And visits to camps. Absolutely. Done. Absolutely. Thank you so, Thank so you. much. God I really bless appreciate you. that. Thank you. Thank you.